Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of the Football Chat. I'm so pleased you decided to listen in as we've got all of these things coming right up. James Rodriguez has just been, you know, he's turned back the clock. He's proof that you can time travel. He's playing like it's 2014 all over yeah. again. The performance against Brighton, that was without Alan as well, without Andre Gomez. Gilfie Sigurdsson scored two brilliant goals for Iceland yesterday in, uh, in their qualifier against Romania. You're listening to the Football Chat, where we look into the fascinating world of football. But I cannot do this alone. I am joined by Chris Coughlin. Hello, Chris. Hello, Bob. Ep- episode 30. It sounds mad, that. I know. Sounds... I, I literally, I was just reading that out, thinking <laughs> it can't be 13. Hopefully a lucky one. Yeah, because I remember like our, our, a couple of our first ones, we were doing like the perfect footballer, weren't we? Yeah. Wow. That, and that was during lockdown. That was, that was, even though like we're sort of ish in lockdown right now. What, uh, what, I, I don't know what we're in right now. <laughs> I don't know what, we're in just some sort of purgatory between lockdown and reality. It's, I, I don't know what's to make of it, but, um, but, but the football's back. We're not allowed yeah. in the stadiums just yet, but, but the football's back, which is the main thing. Yeah, 100%. I mean... On the um, ITV last night, Lee Dixon was saying that he didn't he didn't know why we couldn't have had twenty thousand at Wembley for the England Wales game. Yes, um, and I have to say I agree with him because you look at other countries, Germany for example, in the Bundesliga, eleven thousand at Dortmund the other day. Like it's easier to socially distance in Wembley than it is at a local non-league ground. Definitely, Wembley is a is it ninety thousand? Ninety thousand. I think so it's 90, 000, I appreciate yeah. it might have been crowds getting in and out, but with the game, with regards to the game itself and being in the stadium, you can easily spread out. And I think that's just the main frustration for me at the moment. Um, you know, we all want to get back as soon as possible. I understand it's when it's safe to do so, but even just a certain number of crowd, certain number of people in a crowd, it would just make the whole experience better. And I'm sure the players would agree. And Hopefully, we're, hopefully we aren't too far away from that because you know, even say for like mental health and stuff, people just want to go to football matches. Yeah, it's it's part of their routine. It's part of their exactly. It's what part, they live for. Life. So hopefully, as you say, it isn't too far away. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So uh, moving just past internationals, uh, moving back to Sundays. It's a we we'll start off with Tottenham Man United, but I think there is a game we'll have to talk about uh, yeah. in the Premier League, but. You know, we we won't get to that. We'll warm ourselves up by talking about Spurs, Man United. So, um, a shock, I think, the goal amount of goals that went in that game. Incredible. I mean, I was on the train for the first 10 minutes of the game and I missed three goals. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I know, honestly. Like, when, when I saw, I got a notification for 1 0 United, two, two minutes Fernandez penalty. I'm like, wow. Okay, That's I quick, mean, yeah. Done wrong penalties with Bruno Fernandes aren't something that where aren't something that are a rarity, but I didn't expect two minutes in, and, and obviously it's a great start for Manchester United. And then just from that moment on, I don't think I don't think I'm being unfair to say it was like Keystone Cops at the back. Yeah, no, it like was, the the, the, the crazy. goal, especially. I don't know what Maguire's doing throughout that move. The he attempts to head it back to De Gea, skims off the top of his head. To then make the ball go in an almost impossible upwards direction, and then he prevents Luke Shaw from clearing the ball. Just that was unbelievable. Then Lamella. I'd argue, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, obviously that was 
Controversial. I mean, look, if, if Martial went, Lamella should have. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, the most fairest thing would have been two yellow cards for both players. But yeah. I think that the way Lamella went down, I think he sort of duped the referee. And Lamella would have gone to bed that night thinking he's done a good job. Yeah, un- undoubtedly it was soft. Undoubtedly. Yeah. But so it, soft. You know, end, of the, end of the day, he's raised his hand on Martial and that's what he can't, that's what he doesn't have a foot to stand on with. Yeah. Um, even like the second Spurs goal, Eric Bailly just falling asleep. And I blame Maguire again for the second goal because Man United captains in the past, Roy Keane, Rio Ferdinand, um, Nemanja Vidic, they've all stood in front of the ball. They've stood there saying, right, you're not going to pass this ball past us. Yeah, but Maguire stood off Kane, and then it allowed Kane obviously to play the ball through the sun, and we all that. And then, but then after then, it was just comical, absolutely comical. And look, Roy, you know, Roy Keane said it was a disgrace uh, the performance. I mean, I don't know whether you saw Ever. He I've was distraught. A, I've never seen a pundit on the verge of tears. He was distraught. He said, just "If incredible. you want to buy, if you want to buy Sancho and all these amazing players, just buy FIFA. That's the only way Man United <laughs> yeah. are going to buy." And it's just so, and you can see Graham Sooners just buzzing off it. Little, little did he know what was happening, going to yeah. happen later that evening. Yeah. But he was just loving every ever's misery there. Well, like it says a lot that I haven't seen that much passion from a pundit for a long time. When he was like, "I'd rather be anywhere but here," talking yeah. about this game. Yeah. And oh, and he asked Guy to um, yeah, cancel, cancel rip his, his contract. Yeah, rip his contract. I just, I was listening. I mean, saying, this is crazy. How much do you think Edinson Cavani is going to make any sort of difference here? Because free transfer, but then you're looking at mega, mega wages and mega, mega agency fees. And it all just kind of shouted to me a little bit of last ditch, who can we get that might sell a few shirts? That's that's. I agree with you to a certain extent, but I think the player that's going to probably benefit from Cavani being there is probably Greenwood. If Greenwood can get a little bit of that Cavani magic and get a little bit of how he moves around the area, I think Greenwood could become an even better player than he is now, even though he is at the age of, what, 18, 19, an incredible player, as is. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a finisher, Cavani, isn't he? I mean, you'd imagine he it probably isn't a bad time for him to come into Man United because he's probably going to get three games in a row now with... Mm. Well, three games, if not more, in a row with with Martial being out for three games with his suspension for you know obviously for for the incident with Lamella. So Cavani can go straight in three games in a row and see what kind of an impact he can make because obviously thirty three is a it's an oldish age to come to the Premier League. But then the last former PSG striker that came to Manchester United <laughs> on a free contract didn't do did, too badly yeah, at the uh, right, ripe old age of what was it thirty five or so. He did, yeah. Uh, but no, but Zlatan's a different animal, though, to, to Gavani. He is, he is. He is. <laughs> he's like, oh, well, he's a complete freak. Like, when, when you see, what's he, 30, he just turned 39, I think. Um, he's just a complete beast. He he's is. He's got crazy. the whole package, really. Bro. He has, yeah. Um, what do you think Man United could do, could do now? Do you think the goalkeeper situation is going to resolve itself um, at the back of wow. the United's defence? <laughs> Well, I mean, if I answer this correctly, I expect a big fat paycheck of Ed Woodward. <laughs> wow, where do you start? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Shaw's played his last man played his last game for Manchester United. Right. I thought he was absolutely awful. And Alex Teller's coming in. He goes straight into the team. I'd argue with Luke Shaw's performance, Brandon Williams has now gone ahead of him because I thought Luke Shaw was really, really poor against Tottenham. 
when he when he took the yellow card against Lucas Moura, should have been a red. Should have been a red every day of the week. And the thing is, you could see, you know when they were running alongside each other, you could see it coming. You could see it coming. I was sat there thinking he's going to dive in here, and then it's a, it's a red card because he, the it, ball the, the ball's yeah, about five yards ahead of Lucas Moura when Luke Moore when when Luke Shaw slides in. Yeah. Um, and then Henderson has to go and go. Like I know he went for the for for the cup game. The head didn't make too many errors though. That's the thing in in, in the game itself. Uh, I don't know. I just think I just think Henderson's a, a better keeper. I, shoot me now, but I just think Henderson's a better keeper than De Gea. It says a lot that now as well. Baye and Lindelof has become a bit of an issue, whereas Lindelof and Maguire had something going at one point last season. But I just don't get because they ended lockdown so well. And then it's just, just it's gone back to further on or further earlier on in the season, hasn't it? It has, yeah. We're conceding so many goals, conceding goals for fun, really. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. What conceding eleven goals in three games? Obviously, I know Liverpool have conceded eleven goals in seven games, but nevertheless, it is the worst record for Man United. Newcastle's not going to be a, an easy game for them after lockdown. You have some Maximans in form. Newcastle finally have a goal scorer. And Callum Wilson, yeah. So that is not going to be easy for Manchester United at all. And you know, we're not talking enough about Spurs, really. I mean, the credit, of, of course, to of them. Course. Spurs I mean, have played really well. I left Young Min Son on my bench. Oh, rookie because, error! Because hey, rookie no, there's error. more to this story than just that. <laughs> I left him on my bench because he was down as injured. But I saw reports on the Saturday morning saying he was set to start. So you put him in. I left him on my bench. But I was very fortunate because Lampard, Frank Lampard, left Reese James on the bench. So out went Reese James, James, in came Hyun Min Son, and I took those sweet, sweet points. <laughs> Loving life. Thank you very much, Lamps. But now I the the combinations of Son and Kane, they're great, aren't they? I mean, even Aurier now. I, I loved Matt Doherty at Wolves. I absolutely love Matt Doherty at Wolves, but that was in a five at the back system. I think we have seen so far this season, he has really struggled in a four at the back system. Aurier came in against Man United, got an assist and scored. So you'd imagine he would stay in the team going yeah. forward for the West Ham game. Um, and you wouldn't deny about Matt Oti, where does he go from here? Because he was, had such a good thing going at Wolves. Did he need to make the move? I know, look, it's a move to London. He's obviously had an increase in wages, you would imagine. Football is a very short career. But... Now, Aurier, and he was meant to be leaving um, Tottenham at one point, and he's done very well to recover, very well to recover under Mourinho. And as I say, just the combinations of Son and Kane in particular, they've gone up another level this season. They really, really have. And Harry Kane, he looks a bit more deadly for me because I really struggle watching Harry Kane at times when he plays so deep. But there's a bit more of a ruthless edge to him, I think, this season, especially when now you've got Hoiberg, Winks, and Ndombele with Sissoko as well. You've got players there that will do the kind of defensive work so Kane doesn't have to drop back as much. Yeah, no, and and you've also got... Benefits. Of course, and you've also got the the addition of Bale once he's fit coming in and strengthening that attacking force. If they get even a third of the round of oh, Gareth Bale, that's a great sign. It's, I think they'll, I think Spurs and the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will be a tough, tough place to go. I just think I've, oh, I've always been a fan of Bale and how he plays. And like you said, if they just get a fraction of of the Bale they had 
when he left Spurs and at Real Madrid, then that's a incredible, incredible signing. Yeah, yeah. No overhead kicks though, Gareth, please. <laughs> Especially against us. <laughs> um, speaking of us, so I know I don't know about you, but I was grinning ear to ear when I saw the United United had lost. And then I went into the Liverpool Aston Villa game thinking, easy three points here, boys, isn't it? It's got to be. Like, I know it's Villa Park. I know it's Aston Villa. But, you know, we, we've got to win. We've got to win. How wrong I was. <laughs> I had a bad feeling going into the game. I genuinely had a bad feeling going into the game. I don't know why. I don't know what inspired this bad feeling. But I know I know Alisson was out. Adrian played and one player doesn't force a whole defeat but I just had a really bad feeling going into it and then the first goal just happened in slow motion I almost didn't believe it had happened the way it happened as well um because for me it's Adrian and Gomez to blame you can't just point the finger at Adrian you can't forgive him the ball away but then Gomez got to block the, the cross yeah. back in and then once the second goal went in against the runner play because Liverpool should have had a penalty absolutely should have had a penalty for the foul on Salah once the second one went in, albeit they got it back to 2-1, I saw heads go down like I hadn't seen for a long, long, long time. And for this Liverpool team, I've done so much over the past two years. It just felt they were letting themselves down a little bit, didn't it? it it's, oh, I don't know. It was just because I think being a Liverpool fan... We've had so much success over the last two, three seasons. And for us to lose like that, it wasn't even just a loss. It was a spanking. Yeah. It was a hiding. It yeah. wasn't, it was just the way the way Villa dismantled us was just... If they'd have got 10, you couldn't have complained. You can't, you haven't got a leg to stand on. No, like if, they, if they'd have got 10, you would have said fair enough. You really, really would have. And... Again, we risk kind of not talking enough about Aston Villa. You know, Ollie Watkins, Hattrick, his first Premier League goals. Jack Grealish, first ever player yeah. to be involved. First ever player to be involved in five goals against Liverpool in one Premier League game. I mean, that is just amazing. Um, and he followed that up with a brilliant performance for England last night at yeah. Wembley. Really, it really, really did. Good, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, but now you look at Liverpool against a high-flying Everton. Yeah, most like Derby. Ne- next week. And... Some soul searching needs to happen. Some big soul searching needs to happen for that game. Allison is going to remain out. Adrian is going to be in goal. Thiago and Mane will be back. There was a bonus that Shakiri's COVID positive test came back as a false positive. So yeah, any sort of you know worries about the entire squad having COVID have hopefully gone away. Um, but I can only hope that that result has made the squad angry because that, yeah. that's embarrassing. Like, that is embarrassing. First um, defending champion since Arsenal, but I think in the 60s or 50s to concede seven. It's just not on. It's just not on. And you know, we, we could say we've had almost too much to be happy about in the past mm. few years. It's brought us down, back down to earth, I think. Yeah, it's made us realise that there was, there's more football teams in the world than Liverpool. Yeah. And... I think that's an important thing. I say I say it's made us realise. It hasn't made us realise. We knew that anyway. But it's made us realise that you shouldn't take winning for granted. 
which you could argue Liverpool fans, some Liverpool fans did have an, an idea of in the last few years. You know, young Liverpool fans won't know anything but winning. No, that's that right. Way. Yeah. You know, young Liverpool fans are only growing up in the game over the past two, three years. They won't know anything but winning. So this now, it's a proper coming back down to earth. And as I say, it could be a blessing. It could be a you, blessing. If, I was going to ask you: yeah. is, is is it needed? Do you think that loss was needed? You, maybe. You know, it'll kick a few backsides. If Liverpool go and win the next eight games, how how many people will be talking about the seven-two defeat at Villa? Not too many. If Liverpool win the Merseyside derby, it's a case of who's laughing last or who, who's who's laughing now because, you know, don't get me wrong, we were all enjoying the Man United defeat. Yeah, we were. Fans, other fans were completely within their rights to enjoy the Liverpool defeat. Absolutely no, 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 no complaints about that. Um, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah. But as I say, the Merseyside derby now is arguably the most important because, or you know, for a long time, because it's also 10 years to the day since Everton's last win in the derby. Is it okay? I didn't know that, which is a very, very interesting uh side plot, shall we say? What do you think? Yeah, no, definitely is. Yeah, if you if you were a betting man, and if you were unbiased, what do you think the score would be between Everton and Liverpool? Because it's like you said, Everton are high flying, the top of the league. They're absolutely banging in goals. Hammers, I don't know how you're going to stop him. Dominic Calvert Lewin is just absolutely incredible. So where, what do you think as an unbiased fan? Who do you think will win out of Everton Liverpool next week? Well, I saw Everton were around three to one the other day, even after the Aston Villa game, and I think they're very generous odds because they're not. That isn't a situation where they should be three to one, not at all. You could talk about the record in the derby, of course you can, but the way they're playing, Calvert Lewin, Richarlison will be fit. James Rodriguez has just been, you know, he's turned back the clock. He's proof that you can time travel. He's playing like it's twenty fourteen all over yeah. again. The performance against Brighton, that was without Alan as well, without Andre Gomez. Gilfie Sigurdsson scored two brilliant goals for Iceland yesterday in their, in their qualifier against Romania. And the defence just looks a lot more... Just looks stronger. Yeah. The defence is the same personnel, but it just looks more physical. It's the Ancelotti and Ferguson effect. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've said before, and I'll say it many more times, I'd be amazed if DCL and Ferguson haven't got a one-to-one training session because he's just yeah. much, so much more aggressive. Um, thoroughly made up for DCL, by the way, with his... Yeah, I made up for any England player that scores and you know, scores their first goal, of course. Um, Connor Cody and Danny Ings as well. Um, you know, Fantastic for everyone. But in terms of what the score would be, that is a very... You know, that, that, that's such a tough one to call. Because I I would say I feel like Everton are more likely to score than Liverpool. Genuinely at the moment, just because I don't you know we need to know how what state Liverpool are going to be in. They'll only have a few train sessions with yeah. everyone, maybe one with everyone back in after COVID testing and everything. So the derby, there's plenty of subplots, and it'll be a very very interesting game. No, yeah, definitely will be. I just think. On because I always base team and players on form. Like I, I'm not really a fan of like the big name players. So if you're playing well, and if your last couple of games you've you've you know scored some goals, done some assists, you've done your running, then of course you are you should win. And I think based on form in the last 
couple of weeks. As pain, as much as it pains me to say, I, th- I think Everton Everton could win and Everton could take away three points. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, we talk Leicester a few years ago. How many times were people saying the ball's going to burst, the ball's going to burst, the ball's going to burst? All of a sudden, then if Everton win the game, it's a six-point gap to Liverpool. Yeah. And gaps to others. And then, you know, this is a manager that is used to winning trophies. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's a mentality haven't, haven't, Everton haven't had for a long time. And could all of a sudden there be a huge opportunity and what a trophy it would be for them? Long way to go, of course. Of course, yeah. But yeah. Um, the, the, that could be a hell of a statement. Definitely, yeah. Um, talking on to the uh, last subject that we'll uh, talk about on this podcast, uh, Manchester City. Chris, talk to me. What's what's happened? I'll I, I tell you what. I mean, the first half hour against Leeds, they should have killed it. Should have absolutely killed it because Leeds did what I, did the last thing I expected them to do and sit off. Leeds paid City so much respect, Ellen Road, in the first half an hour. And that isn't Leeds. When Leeds went to Anfield, they showed Liverpool no respect. They got in their faces early on and scored three goals. Of course, didn't win the game, but they were unfortunate not to get something out of it. For that first half hour, I thought they were terrible. That was the worst I've seen Leeds since they've come back because they sat off so much and invited so much pressure. About half hour mark, Bielsa went, why are we doing this? Get at them. And the second Leeds flipped the switch and had a go, City were buckling. City were absolutely crumbling. And I think that was so obvious. The Luke Ayling chance was a fantastic opportunity. Him and Dallas on both sides at fullback, they're going to have great seasons. And if Edison was Pickford, we'd have seen so much more of that mistake, you know, because that was genuinely awful. He made up for it a few minutes later because I tell you what, I if I see a better save than the one from Rodrigo later on, this season, if I, I'm talking this season. I'm not talking in a few weeks. If I see a better save this season, yeah, I'll be amazed. Best best save of the season for me. Yeah. Uh, what the one we tips onto the bar in the second half. But again, you know, we talk about City with regards to Everton. City are now eight points off Everton, although having played a game less. Wow. Yeah, Ever- um, wow. Man City are, are sitting 14th at the moment. That's. What I mean, I know 2020 is a bit bonkers, but this is getting silly now. <laughs> That's when you know 2020 is crazy. When yeah. Man City are sitting 14th. <laughs> when Man City is sitting 14th, Everton could go six points clear of the defending champions next week. And Eric's Maxim Chopper Malting's just moved from PSG to Bayern Munich on a free transfer. <laughs> what an agent. The greatest agent ever. No. Best <laughs> no best tweet of 2020. Someone said. Gunnasaurus should hire Chopper Motting's agent. You'll get him a starring role in the next Jurassic World. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's just this year. It's, we're only, what, nine days into October and it's, it's just nuts. I can't, I don't think I can handle it anymore. It's just gone crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you've summed it up, mate, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. I don't even know if this is actual reality anymore. I think we're all just living in some sort of made-up, <laughs> bonkers footballing world where results are literally decided just by flip of a coin. Yeah, no, it's got to be, yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of a better way to end. Thank you, Chris. No worries, Bob.
<laughs> if you have made it as far, thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Football Chat. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe or follow. We promise to be super grateful. A massive thank you to everyone at Beans Media for their help. Make sure you keep an eye on our socials for details of the next episode. Bye-bye.